from the New Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church in East Dublin, Georgia, this is the podcast. The Reverend Terry Patterson has truly led an interesting and blessed life. She has been a police officer serving 31 years on the Athens, Georgia Police Force, a parent raising three wonderful children, and now she is the pastor of New Liberty African Methodist Episcopal Church in Thompson, Georgia. In a discussion recorded live at the 6th Episcopal District Education Leadership Congress, Reverend Patterson joins the podcast to talk about her life, her ministry, and being her mother's caretaker as she battles Alzheimer's disease. Hey everybody, and welcome to another edition of the podcast, and we are here at the Leadership Conference for the African Methodist Episcopal Church in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, it is my privilege to welcome uh, to our little table here the Reverend Terry Patterson, a good friend of mine. Hi, Reverend Patterson. How you doing? Good afternoon, Reverend Bland. Okay, cool. So when I do these podcasts, one of the things that I do is I do something that I call an origin story, and, and which means I want to find out a little about you. I want, to, I want the audience to find out a little bit about you. So where are you from? Where were you born? I was born in Hamilton, Georgia, and grew up in Waverly Hall, Georgia. Both are near Columbus, Georgia, West Georgia. Okay. So you grew up there, and then what? Well... Uh, the first time I left home was to go off to college. I attended Fort Valley State University, and uh, then I, I went to Athens, Georgia, to pursue a career in law enforcement. All right, so let's talk about that because uh, <laughs> Reverend Rob, <laughs> Reverend Patterson has not been in the ministry all of her life, and you spent how many years on the police force in Athens, Georgia? 31. Wow. And uh, when you started, how many women were on the police force? Um, actually, um, it was about, it was less than 10. Mm. And black women, it was uh, three with me. Wow. So what did it mean to be a police person? And also a woman. How, how did it, how, it looks like you were fighting not only crime on the streets, but you were fighting perceptions within the police department itself. Actually, uh, I didn't have that battle. I, I grew up, like I said, in Waverly Hall. That's in the country on a farm. So I grew up and I had to do farming and I was a tomboy and I grew up fighting about five of my <laughs> seven brothers the others were authoritarians over us and so I grew up uh, in a um, family where uh, we had interchangeable roles we did housework and uh, field work and work and so, uh, and around brothers, and my father always told me, uh, you can do anything. And he showed me, 
you can do anything that you want to and that you have to work for anything you want. So being a police officer, it was not that difficult to flow into that. I was used to fighting and, and I was um, used to helping people and only fought when I had to. Okay. Wink, wink. <laughs> okay, okay, and I and I so the same thing translated to the to being a police officer, right? And uh, when I told my parents that I was going to be a police officer in my family, they were like, "Well, if anybody can, you can," <laughs> because when my brothers they'll get to fighting, and I would grab one, and as they would say throw one this way and throw one that way. That was out of uh, a need to help uh, people not get hurt. So uh, amazingly, it was more of a challenge uh, going into ministry because of my patriarchal upbringing. Uh, 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 okay, okay. Answering my call as a woman. Wow. Okay, let's, let's dive into that since you opened that, that, that box there. Because of your patriarchal upbringing and answering your call was difficult. Why? Because you assumed only men could be preachers? And I had been a member of the AME Church over 20 years. I had seen other women pastors, and yet it did not translate that I would be. And I was in a male-dominated job, and yet I hesitated because of that, the male, and but and I've always honored, I, I believe that we are to help our males and put them on a bus, and it won't hurt us in the least bit. But I say that I asked God that I wanted to be sure of my call, of my calling. And once I was sure and started the Board of Examiners, then... I heard the voice of God say, who are you not to preach the gospel? Wow. Today's devotion, Vacation Like Jesus. It's vacation season, and after a year plus of lockdowns, it's time to take some time off. Jesus took numerous vacations. He took time off to re-energize, to pray, and to spend time with God. Like many of us, Jesus found it difficult to take long vacations, but he did carve out time for small sabbaticals, vacations where he took God with him, taking time off before making major decisions, or a heavy period of ministry. And yes, Jesus took time off when he had enough of people. I hope that you are planning some vacation time. Even a few hours away can make a big difference. And when you do, remember to vacation like Jesus and take God with you. So you you get through the board of examiners, examiners. And and all of us know who are AME. That is that is no small feat. Tell me about the the first place that you pastored. I my first place I pastored, it was a circuit, 
Uh, uh, okay, let's stop for a second because there are people who are not AMEs listening to this podcast. Explain what a circuit is. My charge contained two separate churches. One was in the city and one was in a very small town, basically in the country. Churches have personalities. I grew up in the country, so I could relate to and really truly appreciate and love the people from the small country church and also the persons from the in-town church with the personality of in-town. It's just different, uh, different cultures, different personalities. So my upbringing uh, helped me considerably understand the cultures and relate to each culture of the church. Hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So your personality can help you relate to the culture of each church. How did they accept you? Were, there, were you the first woman pastor that they, that they had ever seen? No. And I don't know if I was the first woman pastor that they had had. I really don't know. But I came in under opposition because there was another pastor that was a member who wanted to pastor there that kept, uh, I don't know how you want to say it, putting me down or not saying the truths about me. They didn't really know me, but I said, oh, she's not a real pastor. Oh, she doesn't know this. And so I went in under opposition, uh-huh. and they wanted a pastor. They were the size. They were small, and they wanted a pat So pastors would go through right. and stay a year or so or two and move on to larger churches. And so they wanted a pastor that would stay Dang, there, yeah, appreciate, yeah. and love them. And so I came in under turbulence I went in I rode in with my children because I had already met with them rode in with my children and my best friend they like oh I got your back they better not mess with you (laughs) and so I introduced myself in my first sermon and just told them who I was and that I was called by God so the their opposition to me wasn't really that I was a female but they thought that I was going to be like the others. Uh, well, first, like I told you, I was, um, I'd only been on the Board of Examiners two years. Mm-hmm. And so I had not yet been uh, reached a, a reverend status. Right, yeah. And, and, and so, then you get this church. Right. And so, and the pastor telling them, see, they sending you this person who's not qualified. And so, of course, they felt offended. But like I said, my upbringing and what I had been through and God called me there Mm. and put me there. That's a whole nother story. And so I'm sorry. I went in with my head held high and with confidence. I was confident in my preaching. I was confident confident in my ability to love them, appreciate them, lift them, and teach them. And they became, uh, they just, we fell in love with each other. 
So most women do kind of run into oppositions, but we just have to hold on, hold out, love the people, as my mentor taught me, no matter what's going on, love the people. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And then they'll love you. And then they'll love you. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm here talking to the Reverend Terry Patterson, and we are just talking about her career and her uh, time as a, a pastor, a police officer. You are also a mother? Yes. Uh, of how many? I have three children. Okay, wow. I uh, birthed two girls. My girls are 17 years apart. I thought I had, still had it. I didn't know what I had, but I, I, it was a, a choice and an opportunity and I'm blessed. And my son, um, uh, he has a different mother, but he sees me as his mother. He loves me as his mother. So he's my son. So I'm blessed with three wonderful children. Wow. Amen. That is that is that is so great. So let's talk about the charge that you have now. Tell me about the, the church that you have now. And I don't want to walk through it a little bit in terms of pastoring during a pandemic. Hmm. Okay, so uh, the pandemic happened during my seventh year there. So the and, and you can give the church some pub. pub. The, the, the name of your church is because I mean they, they're going to hear this. They're going to hear this podcast. So what's the name of your church? New Liberty Hill AME Church, Thompson, Georgia. Amen. Okay. Yes, absolutely phenomenal. Hi. <laughs> One of your members just passed by. <laughs> That's okay. This is this is live podcasting uh, situation here, so we 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 encourage that. So, all right, go ahead. Yes, and so uh, when uh, one Sunday we're in the church, and suddenly we are passed up preaching um, on Zoom and on Facebook and on conference calls. So my relationship had already been solidified with that church. And so they joined me, uh, most of them, on um, conference call and uh, Facebook and things like that. So, um, And they looked forward to us coming back to the church. And since we have regathered in the church, I mean, spiritually, it just seems... It's just spirits are so high. We're just so grateful to be back together again. Yeah. We survived. Not only did we survive, but we thrived. Our uh, We grew over social media. And so, but the members uh, were just so grateful to su- have survived COVID and to be able to uh, come together again, not as close and all the hugging right. like we used to do, but uh, yeah, that's one thing I love about the AME Church, and what drew drew me to the AME Church is the hugging <laughs> and being accepted and accepting everybody, uh, no matter who, no matter who, right? They are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I think one of the other things that, that draws us, at least just drawing me to the Amy Church, is the fact that we are con- a connectional church. Mm-hmm. And so that that you are a pastor in Thomaston, Georgia, and I'm a pastor in uh, East Dublin, Georgia, mm-hmm. but we have this connection because we share a liturgy. We share uh, a, uh, a, a, a a, a, a bishop and a Poseidon elders and, right. and the structure of our church. And, mm-hmm. and because of that, we can have this, we, we speak the language of God regardless, mm-hmm. but we speak a particular language, which is, which is a, 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 akin to us as AME. So I think that's, that's powerful and strong and, and allows for things like our friendship to happen because we met uh, at a conference at a, at one of our annual conferences and we didn't know each other. Right. And, and from that meeting, uh, we have forged a friendship that is, we've gone to each you know, I've, uh, you've been to my Bible studies online and stuff like that. And now we're doing a podcast together. So uh, I, I think that's the, the sort of fellowship uh, mm-hmm. that I think is really important. And I, I don't know about you, but, but being a pastor, Having a, another pastor that you can talk to from time to time uh, is, is, is a pretty neat thing. It is. It is. We all need a pastor, but we can be isolated sometimes. And so it is good that we can have other people who understand what we're going through. Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about things you're going through. Um, your mother has dementia. My mother has uh, late stages Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, a type of dementia, but it uh, it entails different behaviors. Dementia, just dementia, is uh, forgetting. Alzheimer's come with a different behaviors. It's a whole other animal. Yeah, I agree. My mother uh, had Alzheimer's. So, mm-hmm. and and the reason I want to broach that subject is because you and I were, you are currently a caregiver. Mm-hmm. I was a caregiver, but I met on this podcast. My 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 older sister uh, did the yeoman's work of caregiving. Mm-hmm. But but you are you are with your mother uh, almost twenty four seven. Let's talk about if you can. Let's talk about caregiving, and and how does how does that affect you? When I first started, I started helping my sister, who, and when we realized that she needed someone there all the time, my youngest sister moved in with her, but she worked. And worked out of the home. So someone needed to be there while she worked. And so we took turns. And it was very intimidating, first of all. It is very intimidating. Caring, it's just, it entails so much. And you have to learn to do it. Because uh, how to do it, what this person and what they need so it's very intimidating at first but as you hang in there and continue the work you get a little used to it now every day is a new day and a different day but the intimidation factor is 
not there, but it's very intimidating at first. I think some of my siblings are intimidated by it, and that's a family dynamic. Now, my family helps, and we're closer than most, but I had to realize there are some that are intimidated because they don't know what to do or what like that, and so, and some, they uh, are still working and don't have but they provide in their own ways. So. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like that for our family as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, uh, it, it was intimidating to me because uh, when I had to, the, the first time I had to change my mother. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so here is this woman who has been my rock. This woman who is strong as anything. This mm-hmm. woman who I'm, afraid of in mm-hmm. a, in a good way uh, now i've got to change her like a, a baby mm-hmm. and that was the intimidation for me mm-hmm. but after i did it then i i went from intimidation to this whole piece of honor and service it is it's a calling also mm-hmm. how can we as uh Servants of God not answer that call to care for our loved ones. It is in a loving, caring way. Yes, yes, yes. In a loving, caring way because uh, b- because you know that your mother, and I know that my mother did not wish this upon herself. Right. And the behaviors that she may be manifesting at certain periods of time are mm-hmm. not the behaviors that she would want to have. Right. And so you can't blame her. Right. Uh, but what you can do is to love her. Right. Just where she is. Just where she is. And I, and I think that 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 manifests itself so well for our calling that mm-hmm. that as pastors, we need to love people, our congregants and everybody else. We come everybody yeah, else. Just as they are. Everybody. Yeah. Just as they are. Just where they are are no one and i mean no one is any better than anyone else Mm, amen yeah yeah exactly no one's any better than anyone else no one's any worse than anyone else Mm -hmm. and uh and so i think yeah you the the act of caregiving uh can teach us so much about how we should be as christians because that's how god loves us right just as we are with all Just the as we are. all the blemishes and the warts and everything else. And keeps loving us. Yeah, amen. Yeah, and yeah. so it's just a parallel that teaches us and shows us. And it's amazing, isn't it? it I think it absolutely is amazing. It really is. So I, we have spent this time here uh, at the uh, Youth Leadership Congress here in Augusta, Georgia, with mm-hmm. my good friend Terry Patterson, uh, who is a reverend in the AME Church. Uh, I really want to thank you for uh, this time and thank you for doing this podcast and, and being with us today. And, and I know that what you have said in your story is, is going to be and is a blessing to others. As we should be. And I definitely hope that it is Um, and we have to remember all of us are going through something Mm. 
So if anybody is in the role of a caregiver, I applaud you and you are so important because you don't have to do it. It is indeed an honor. And I, we always say, she cared, raised us. My mother and father raised 11 children. Mm. Mm. Wow. And you're number what? <laughs> Nine. <laughs> okay. Nine of 11. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, good. Well, again, thank you, Terry, for being here. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Podcast is a production of Tudor Point Theological Media Corporation in association with the New Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church in East Dublin, Georgia. A great team that put together this podcast includes Annie Ingram, Erica Bland, and Chandler Bland. Mel Bland is the executive producer of Tudor Point Theological Media. NBC Dublin is your 24-7 worship center for New Bethel. There you will find sermons, blogs, podcasts, videos, and commentaries. I really hope that you will check it out. And you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and Amazon Music. I'm Marvin Bland, and you've been listening to the podcast. And until the next time we upload, blessings, peace, and love.